This is Thursday, July 8th. Here's our scripture for today. Numbers chapter 12, verse 10 to 15. When the cloud lifted from the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. And the Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days, and after that, she can be brought back. So Moses was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. Now, after Miriam and Aaron spoke against their brother Moses, the Lord brought leprosy upon Miriam. Why did the Lord do this with her and not Aaron? It seems unfair. Well, here's why. She was the one that got the got started the talking. She began the rift, this division in the family. Miriam got the ball rolling by openly speaking against her brother. Perhaps this is something you have seen. You may want to say something, but you have enough self-restraint to keep you from speaking it out loud. But someone else does, and it seems like the floodgates are then opened and others pile on and join in the fray. You know, this is what happens with riots. Most people will not pick up a rock and throw it through a shop window, as angry as or disappointed as they may be. But if one person does that, then there are five other people that, seeing the first person throw the rock, will pick up one and throw it too. Then a few more, ten or twenty, seeing those five will jump in. And soon you have a cascading event of rock throwing that turns the crowd into a rioting mob. The same happens with words. We have an observation and reach a conclusion. But whole groups of people can be influenced if words are spoken, opinions are shared. You see, Miriam, by her words, drew her brother into her sin. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor in his classic book on the spiritual community called Life Together, says that one of the ministries of the church is holding one's tongue. Yes, he means not speaking your mind, not sharing your opinion. Here's part of what he says. Often we combat our evil thoughts most effectively if we absolutely refuse to allow them to be expressed in words. It is certain that the spirit of self-justification can be overcome by the spirit of grace. Nevertheless, isolated thoughts of judgment can be curbed and smothered by never allowing them to be uttered. Isn't that beautiful? How powerful would that be in supporting the unity of believers, of protecting the peace and honoring Christ? Nor, of course, this does not mean that we cannot give a word of encouragement or supportive advice. It's a call to process in your heart before speaking with your mouth and guarding 
what we say to others. Here's Bonhoeffer again. But to speak about a brother covertly is forbidden, even under the cloak of help and goodwill. For it is precisely in this guise that the spirit of hatred among brothers always creeps in when it's seeking to create mischief. Of course, now this is just what Miriam did. It's why God responded with such a harsh punishment for her. But even here, Moses reveals that he is the Lord's leader. Rather than calling for his sister's punishment, he pleads with the Lord for her healing. No doubt his actions seen by his sister are never forgotten. This means that even when people speak evil against us, we can by God's grace sow a rich harvest of peace and unity. Bonhoeffer says that when we hold our tongue, we will be able to cease from constantly scrutinizing the other person, judging him, condemning him, putting him in his particular place where we can gain ascendancy over him and thus doing violence to him as a person. In other words, as we do the ministry of holding our tongues, we will learn in our hearts how to refrain from always passing judgment on others. Learning this will even foster more the way of love among us. Now, of course, we learn about Miriam's sin. And as we're learning, how can we not see our own? We live in a day when we feel empowered to criticize. It's, it's a national pastime, a deeply cherished personal right. We're told that criticism is for the good of the republic, the way to, a, to get to a more perfect union. But scripture teaches us that criticism ideas may be helpful but not the tearing down of people. This is not the way of Jesus. We overhear Jesus from the cross not heaping insults on his accusers or cursing those that placed him there, but instead calling for the Father to forgive. It's the will of Jesus that this word and this way will become contagious. We'll pick it up as we see it in him. And even the forgiveness for enemies that we might pick this up and others seeing us live in this way will also follow. Let's pray. Gracious Father, critical thoughts of others seem to come easily for us. We harbor them and nurture them, and we often give them voice. You tell us that this cultivates division and disunity, and so I pray you'll show us Jesus, the word of life that we might learn to refrain from speaking when that's what love means. And we might speak when love calls for words. For we pray in your name. Amen.